0: To uh, I guess this is technically the second live stream of the podcast that we have ever done. Uh, this is the first one that has been professionally done. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, the official podcast of Lone Star Gun Rights, and I am your host as always, Derek Wills. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, this is going to be the uh, only live stream that we do on Facebook, uh, mainly because we just launched our brand new site. Uh, and... One of the perks there is you are going to see the live the podcast live streamed every Sunday at noon, uh, and all you got to do is uh, sign up to become a member for just six bucks a month, uh, or you can pay for the entire year uh, for sixty dollars and essentially get two months for free. Uh, so this is kind of a, a a freebie for everybody. So you can. Ex- see what the podcast is going to become it's going to be uh, a much bigger uh, and more visual show uh, if you subscribed before to our podcast it's audio only and so what we're planning on doing is making this a v- more visual show and if uh, and uh, there's also going to be a, a chat feature as well on our website so if you do go to lsgr.live uh, and uh, click the join button in the at the top and uh, for six bucks a month this is what you're gonna get along with a no compromise voice against gun control and also um, there we're gonna have a community forum as well as um, buy sell trade area and a bunch of other things but that's not what we're talking about today today we are talking about uh, well Dennis Bonin the speaker the new speaker of the Texas House of Representatives and what he has done to uh, well the way it looks is that he has already thrown a wrench in constitutional carry and gun rights for this legislative session Uh, now that doesn't mean that we're going to stop fighting but what he has done is essentially tried to make it as difficult as humanly possible for us to get anything passed and if you missed it this is one of the things that uh, he ended up posting up because he's already feeling the heat as soon as he put up the committee assignments the homeland security and public safety committee is the committee that's responsible for uh most gun related legislation and including constitutional carry which if you're if you've been following us for any point, any amount of time, you know that constitutional carry is our number one priority, just as, as it is the number one legislative priority for the Republican Party of Texas. That is our main fight right now. Now, there are plenty of other things that we want to fight for as well, but uh, constitutional carry is our main focus. Now, what Dennis Bonin has done, Bonin Bonin, I always screw that up. What he has done is he has appointed state rep Pancho navarez to chair the homeland security and public safety committee that's huge the chairman uh well actually we posted up something uh telling people exactly what he has done and a lot of people were already starting to put some pressure on him well he started feeling that and he posted this up on his facebook page um I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he touts his A rating from the NRA. And um, he says, uh, it has come to my attention that a small handful of gun rights fringe groups have called my leadership into question. I have appointed the committees in the Texas House, which represent diverse views, just as well as a a functioning democracy should, even though uh, we are not a democracy, last I checked. Uh, we are a Republican form of government, which uh, which is very important. There's a big difference between the two. If you don't know, uh, a democracy means majority rules. We vote on pretty much everything. That is a democracy. A Republican form of government is a... is We elect officials to represent our voices. And a Republican form of government is central to the protection of individual liberty, individual rights. In a democracy, there are only the rights, uh, well, there is no way to protect individual rights. There is no way to protect natural rights. Even though they exist, there is no way to protect them from the majority. What this means is that if, if we lived in a democracy and it came up for a vote as to whether or not my house was going to be seized by the government and then turned into a public park or whatever that may be if i was the only single dissenting vote in that it would still pass because that's how a democracy works majority i could be the only person voting against it and uh, i would lose in a republican form of government however where the protection for natural rights of life, liberty, and property exist. We have. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's, I, if I'm the only dissenting vote, nobody can seize my property because that is my right. Now, where there are issues with eminent domain and asset forfeiture and all of that, but those are other issues. They should be protected uh, better. But that is, this example was only to highlight the differences between a democracy and a republic. Okay, going back to this statement, I place a majority of members on committees of jurisdictions which reflect Texas's long-standing pro-gun stance, even though we're ranked 26 whenever it comes to gun rights, and uh, there are 13, 14, I always forget how many, states that already have constitutional carry enacted, and Texas is not one of them. We have not set the standard. We have fallen short time and time and time again. And he says, the fact that some fringe groups, there's that word again, can't count to five for a nine-member committee is really not my problem. Uh, He goes on to say, our democracy, again, there's that word that doesn't mean anything because we don't live in a democracy, and our state deserve better than the type of hateful and uneducated vitriol which some people feel compelled to spread. But as they say, talk is cheap. So the final test be uh, what doesn't happen when the gavel falls at the end of the 86th legislative session. I will bet my critics and AR-15 that their gun rights won't be infringed. I am willing to take you up on that bet, Mr. Speaker, because right now they are infringed. The fact that I or anybody else in this state has to beg the state of Texas, the government of the state of Texas for permission to carry a handgun on their person for lawful purposes is in its of itself an infringement. We do not have the right to bear arms. We have the government given privilege to bear arms. They get to decide whether or not we do. Now, yeah, we are a, quote, shall issue state, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. We still cannot do so without first asking the government for permission. Last I checked, the, a right is not contingent upon the ability or the, the approval of government. Natural rights exist beyond... The scope of government so what this what this means is absent of government these rights exist if we lived in a state of nature then we would have a have the right to bear whatever arms we dealt we felt necessary to protect our life liberty and property because there would be no uh, entity that would do it for us and even in a state of society where governments exist you don't have that guarantee the supreme court i'm sorry not the supreme court but the dc court of appeals has ruled in uh warren v district of columbia that the police have absolutely zero uh, legal duty to protect you and all that means is is that in cases like parkland where a school is being shot up or a mall or wherever you may be they will not face any criminal charges if they do nothing because they have no legal duty to protect you none and so that's well, that's the that's the issue with uh, uh with our current state of government but even still a natural right doesn't come from government it comes from the state of nature it comes from god it comes from our creator whatever your belief system may be that is where it comes from because because of the fact that government does not grant us these rights they exist naturally. Government does not have the authority to say, yes, you can, no, you cannot. Government does not have the authority to regulate your bearing of arms. Not only is it a violation of your right to life and liberty, but also your right to property because they are denying you ownership of property that you would otherwise have. It is up to you to determine which uh, uh, what arms are appropriate to def- to defend your property nobody else's and that is the quintessential difference between a natural right and a government given right there are government given rights voting being one of them but that's a whole different issue we're talking about protecting our lives when police are 7 to 12 minutes away any time that there is something that happens and they are under no legal obligation to protect us then yes the infringement of our rights is—it is an infringement. Having to ask for permission from the government is an infringement. So, Speaker Bonin, uh, if you don't mind, I will—I would—I would very much appreciate you uh, making good on that bet, and I'm going to hold you accountable to it. Uh, and believe me, I'm sure I'm not the only one. There are lots of people out here that would—that uh, would really love a free AR-15 from you. Um, so, going back to uh to this he started deleting a lot of comments uh there were a lot of and he couldn't really keep up with it but we've had several reports of uh people who have been telling him that uh that this is not okay and then uh there's a bunch of people that are being uh well they are sucking up to him uh there are people that are saying that we uh that we fully support you. One of one comment that I found very interesting came here from uh, Tony Tenderholt. Now Tony Tenderholt is an elected official in Austin and he actually is on the committee of uh, the, the Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee. And he says, I fully support Speaker Bonin. I am on the committee that will most likely hear these bills. Know that it's five Republican members to four Democrats. There it is again. You know how, I mean, he's not being as snarky as Dennis Bonin was saying the the fact that these French groups can't count to five is not my problem. For those on the immediate attack, even before we get started, please stop. It gets the cause nowhere and to do so only pushes the wrong agenda. Have a great weekend and wait to see the good things that come during the 86th legislative session. Well, here's the problem. It's not the fact that there are five Republicans on the committee. It, the problem is the fact that the chairman is a Democrat, and the chairman has an awesome power that no other committee member has, and that power is that he gets to decide, only him, whether or not to table a, a particular bill and let it die in committee without so much as a vote. Do you honestly think that an anti-gun Democrat chairing the Homeland Security uh, Committee, like poncho Navarrez is do you honestly believe that he is going to bring constitutional carry up for a vote i highly doubt that it would actually surprise me if he did but uh i mean i guess time will tell we're going to keep fighting like hell for this and we're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing to um to, to to get constitutional carry passed because that's what we do we 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 this is our fight this is the this is our purpose and we are going to keep fighting no matter what obstacles we we find but just know that it just got a lot harder now for those of you who do not know who charles cotton is uh oh i'm sorry before i get there i want to go back to another statement uh that that was put out and this is by state rep matt kraus Matt Krause laid out this big post here uh, that goes over a lot of things, but he touches on this. Uh, I know quite a few folks that are concerned slash upset about the chairs for the Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee and and, uh, criminal jurisprudence. Both are Democrats and certainly on the liberal spectrum. Many folks take this to mean that good gun legislation, i.e. constitutional carry, is dead and bad gun legislation will get through. I am sure that's not the case. I do think constitution- constitutional carry faced an uphill battle before the November elections. Why, that ha- why, it sh- why it's an uphill battle is beyond me. A reminder to all of y'all that the Republican Party of Texas has made constitutional carry its number one legislative priority for the past six years why it has an uphill battle is beyond me that hill got even more spe- uh, steep after november 6th in here he's talking about the number of seats that republicans lost in the state house and state senate so whether it was a republican or democrat chairing that committee i'm not sure that the likelihood would change big caveat caveat i could always be wrong in my analysis secondly even though our political leanings are much different are much different i have a good deal of respect for both committee chairs uh and talks about rep Novarez. they are professional and i truly believe we will get a fair and honest hearings to gun legislation why would he do that why would Pancho navarez who is openly against constitutional carry put it out of committee when he has the power as chairman to kill it uh well time will tell i guess And then it will be up to the grassroots activists to be persuasive to the Republicans on those committees. From what I remember, the GOP still has an edge on those committees. Yeah. Five to four. If they all stick together again, an uphill climb is not impossible for both bills that had a chance of passing this session prior to committee announcements. Now, uh, yeah, he's not wrong. It had a, an uphill battle, which again is beyond me. Um, why, the number one legislative priority is as facing an uphill battle I just I will never understand that uh, by the way I'm, I'm monitoring all your comments so if you got something please uh, by all means chime in Damien has posted that uh, his comments from Dennis Bonin's uh, post were deleted and then he was banned he can't even comment anymore uh, and I can actually attest to that because he replied to one of my comments. Um, let me see if I can bring this back up here and find my comment here. If you want proof that Dennis Bonin is, in fact, uh, deleting comments, here's my comment. Oh, and here's me replying to Damien, but there's no Damien comment. That's interesting. Um, where did it go, Speaker? Because I'm pretty sure that banning people for disagreeing with you is not very professional. Um, and I, I, I want to say that there were some court rulings against this. Not that I necessarily agree with those, but uh, that's, that's a personal issue for me. Um, okay, let's go back to the, what we were actually talking about. So, oh, By the way, we weren't exactly surprised. We were upset. At Lone Star Gun Rights, but we weren't exactly surprised by this move. Now, this is not to toot our own horn. I mean, it is a little bit. Let's be honest, but it's it's to show that we're on top of this. That we have seen many times people asking, "Well, what have y'all done?" Well, we've been in Austin. We've been lobbying the legislature. We've been keeping track of politicians. We have been uh try, We have been endorsing very few. And we have been launching attacks against those who actively stand in the way of our agenda, and this is something that we posted up on Facebook uh, february 21st during the primaries. This is Dennis Bonin. He refused to support constitutional carry because he never re, re, uh, he never returned our uh, our survey. Uh, He's never supported it. He's never been out, out, an outspoken supporter of it. He has ignored his constituents. He has he voted to expand gun-free zones here in Texas, and he's he's done quite a bit more. Uh, he voted to preserve gun-free zones on college campuses. Uh, he has ignored his constituents whenever they said, we support campus carry without the ability of them to ban our right to carry. Um he ignored that. Now, there are some who are critical of us saying that we have, uh, we have somehow alienated uh, some of the people in the legislature because we're attacking. But our whole purpose is to make sure that we get people who are not going to interfere with the advancement of gun rights. All we care about is getting our rights returned to us in full. Candace asks what we do about this dilemma. Well, right now, if you pick up the phone and call Dennis Bonin's office, he uh, and just keep leaving messages, <laughs> um, it, it, that's all you can do for right now. If you need that number, I will post it up here for you. Um, back to Dennis Bonin's Facebook page. His office number is 512-463-1000. Um, if you go there uh and if you call that number leave him a voicemail leave a, ves- a message with his chief of staff telling him that you want constitutional carry passed you want it prioritized uh you, you remind him that it is the number one legislative agenda for the Republican Party of Texas do everything that you can uh this will help put thing put uh, a fire under his uh under his feet to make sure that things are um that things are moving forward as they need to um okay moving on now he dennis bonin did say that we were a bunch of fringe groups and i don't particularly like that because all we are doing is trying to advance gun rights but for those who don't know who charles cotton is let me show you charles cotton is a board member for the nra and he's also a consultant with the Texas State Rifle Association, the TSRA, which is uh, really the Texas uh, subsidiary of the NRA, he is somebody that would be considered a, I guess, mainstream uh, gun rights guy. Now, he and I have, or, and, well, not just I, but... He and everybody here at Lone Star Gun Rights, a- along with a couple of other groups like Open Carry Texas and Texas Gun Rights and NAGR, uh, we, have, we have had words with Charles Cotton in the past. We have disagreed vehemently on several things, uh, from tactics to, um, to what legislation should look like, but Charles Cotton, NRA board member, posted this on his Facebook Ripping Dennis Bonin to shreds over this newly elected speaker of the house Republican Dennis Bonin campaigned as a pro Second Amendment candidate. However, his actions speak far louder than words and we now see he lied When I first read this I was shocked that Charles Cotton came out against and this is not a a, this is not me bashing Charles Cotton I'm giving Charles Cotton props massive props here because i i was not expecting this sort of uh, this sort of uh, attack to come from him it is quite pleasant it is a quite pleasant surprise for us to read this for the first time in decades the speaker has appointed an anti-gun democrat to chair the two most important house committees um and he basically goes into the same thing that we've already talked about in this very scathing post uh he says and what you can do. Nothing is going to change this section, but every Texas gun owner must make her his voice heard. Call and email Governor Abbott letting him know your feelings about Bonin's betrayal. Call your representative and let him or her know how you feel and that you are not happy that he or she voted for Bonin as speaker. Again, they can't change anything this session, but gun owners can start working to ensure that Dennis Bonin never holds the speaker's gavel again. Um now, that said, I do believe that we still have a chance. Yes, it is, it is much slimmer than we thought whenever session first started. But we still have a chance to get constitutional carry passed this session. And we are going to keep fighting to make sure that that happens. Um, and, you know, I... We can't do this without you. And the amount of support that we've had from y'all is just absolutely amazing Uh, it is uh, we feel the love we without y'all being active without y'all making phone calls without y'all emailing without y'all sharing our posts without y'all spreading truth we would not we would be speaking to an empty audience and all of our messaging would be falling on deaf ears so we really do appreciate everything that y'all do for to all of y'all support and everything that y'all do for us because y'all are what makes our fight possible without y'all what we would be nobody um but uh so now i'm gonna move over to national news and this is actually cause for concern despite what uh, at first appearances so this is an article from the LA times and it says finally the supreme court is taking up gun rights again now full disclosure this is an opinion piece but a lot of people might feel good about this headline and might feel good about the supreme court's decision to take up gun issues again But there are some things that give us cause for concern and I'm going to get into those uh, because the consequences could be bad for us for us as gun owners for us as gun rights activists we could have some negative repercussions from this that would be very long-lasting so going back to this article It says, on Tuesday, the Supreme Court granted to review a case involving the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. The case challenges New York City law that prohibits transporting handguns, even licensed and unloaded ones, to places outside of the city, including a second home or shooting range. Now, I'm not necessarily worried about this particular case, but there are cases that we've been keeping an eye on that I am worried about. Um, And why I'm worried... Is because of I don't I don't have a lot of su- faith in the Supreme Court. Um, a lot of people like to bring up the Heller decision as a win for gun owners and gun rights activists. It's not, unfortunately. Um, Heller, even though the opinion that Scalia authored is uh, often cited by gun rights advocates it is also often cited by gun control advocates now i want to get into this because not a lot of people know this and you should everybody should know this about the heller decision and why it is not good for uh gun rights advocates and gun rights in general so uh here is the heller decision that was written by justice scalia There are a couple of things that I want to point out here. The first is here on page 22. There seems to be no doubt on the basis of both text and history that that the Second Amendment conferred an individual right to keep and bear arms. Of course, the right was not unlimited, just as the First Amendment's right to free speech was not. Thus, we do not read the Second Amendment to protect the right of the citizens to carry arms for any sort of confrontation, just as we do not read the First Amendment to protect the right of citizens to speak for any purposes. Now, there there is a lot wrong here in the words of Scalia. First of all, he says the Second Amendment conferred the right to keep and bear arms. The word conferred means that it grants the right to keep and bear arms. The Second Amendment grants you nothing. The Bill of Rights grants you very little. As I said, the right to keep and bear arms is a natural right. It exists without government. It exists in nature. It is the one of the fundamental rights that we have because the tools necessary to de- the right to bear the tools necessary to uh, protect our natural rights of life, liberty and property. the right to protect, possess those weapons that you deem fit to protect those, to efficiently protect those rights, they are in and of themselves a natural right to possess. So that means if you want to, if, if you have 30 million dollars, 38 million dollars, whatever it is, plus the, the amount of money. To uh, for operating costs and you want to go and buy an F-16 from Lockheed Martin you should have the right to do that you do have the right to do that the only difference is our government does not acknowledge that you have the right to do that uh, now actually you can uh, Ross Perot Jr. actually owns an, a, a demilitarized F-16 but it is not uh, it is not the same F-16s that um that our air force uses now a lot of people might go whoa what are you talking about i'm talking about the natural right to bear arms here's the thing whenever it comes to things like nuclear weapons fighter jets tanks well excluding tanks because people do own tanks now too but whenever it comes to things like that the costs alone uh are going to be quite prohibitive for many people capitalism is a wonderful thing and uh, the thing about capitalism the funny thing about capitalism is that just because you, ha- you are willing to purchase something from somebody doesn't mean that you're going to be able to purchase it so unless you have a willing seller who is willing to sell you uh, whatever arm be it a nuke or whatever and you have the resources to buy it then yes, you should be allowed to. But I don't know of any single uh, manufacturer of nuclear weapons that, even if it were legal, that they would be willing to sell it to anyone outside of the military. And so, therefore, capitalism itself would uh, would prevail. And it's not like we would have. Uh, <laughs> it's not like we would have nuclear weapons. For the masses first of all they're millions of dollars each and second of all um i don't think that there's going to be a willing seller and i'm pretty sure that the government is the one that manufactures them so uh i could be wrong there might be some some defense contractors that actually do the manufacturing for them but even still i highly 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 doubt that even if it were legal they would that they would be a willing seller uh, so, capitalism would prevail in that situation. But whenever it comes to other arms, like, oh, select fire, full auto weapons, you know, arms that are banned since May 19th, 1986, um, we should have the full right to those. We should be able to own those. But the thing is, going back to the Scalia decision, um, he, or I'm sorry, the Heller decision written by Scalia, He talks against this very thing. And I'm just trying to find the page here. I don't want to make anybody uh, dizzy. Okay, here we go. All right, so here on page 52, uh, he's talking here about the Miller case. And the Miller case was from uh, 1939. And it was brought because of the NFA... The National Firearms Act uh, regulations against short-barreled shotguns, specifically. Now, uh, <laughs> just checking the comments here. Nathan says he wants his uh, tactical McNuke. Me too, bro. Me too. All right, uh, keep keep those comments coming, guys. I, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll. This is an interactive show now. Uh, all right. So, talking about the Miller case, he's talking about the restrictions on. Uh, the Nash, uh, I'm sorry, short barreled shotguns is what that case was about. Read in isolation, Miller's phrase, quote, part of the ordinary military equipment could mean that those weapons useful in warfare are protected. Essentially, what, what Miller said is that unless a weapon is part of ordinary military equipment, um, it is which a sawed off shotgun is typically not and that was the mean, the grounds on which that they uh struck or they upheld the National Firearms Act r- restrictions on that Scalia is saying that if you read that in isolation it means that only weapons useful in welfare are protected by the second amendment that would mean that that a startling reading of the opinion since it would mean that the National Firearms Act's restrictions on machine guns which was not changed in Miller might be unconstitutional machine guns being used useful in warfare in 1939 he is chastising this phrase of Miller uh, as as much as Scalia is loved and adored by conservatives uh, and even myself he's wrong here he's very wrong here uh we think that miller's quote ordinary ordinary military equipment language must be read in tandem with what comes after ordinarily we called for militia service being able-bodied men expected to appear uh expected to appear bearing arms supplied by themselves of any kind at the time the traditional militia was formed in a pool uh and uh, let's see here. The operative clause of the Second Amendment uh, furthers the purpose of, a, of an in of an the announced preface. We therefore read the, read Miller to say that only the Second Amendment. Uh, we therefore read to uh, Miller to say only that the Second Amendment does not protect those weapons not typically pass, uh, possessed by law-abiding citizens for lawful purposes such as short-barreled shotguns. That accords with the historical understanding of the scope of the right, see part three. Okay, that was uh, was a little bit painful, so I apologize. But what Scalia is saying here, or was saying here, in the Heller decision, is that, one, the Second Amendment is what grants rights to bear arms, and that laws prohibiting certain types of arms are acceptable and constitutional this is in the opinion of the court and this is something that we all need to recognize and understand now all weapons are protected by the second amendment again not granted and the reason that I have pause is because of this case here this is from our old website Uh, It's still up, but it won't be for much longer. Uh, This is a case uh, from Kansas, where the Second Amendment Protection Act, which is a state law that basically says that uh, if somebody in Kansas manufactures a suppressor and then transfers that suppressor. To another individual and then that individual keeps that suppressor within the state boundaries of the, the within the borders of the state of Kansas. It does not have to, it does not fall under the National Firearms Act rules, because according to many scholars is that it's only been upheld because of interstate commerce. If you keep it inside the borders of Kansas, it is intrastate commerce, and therefore, you don't have to serialize it, you don't have to register it, you don't have to fill out an ATF form to transfer, uh, and you don't have to get an NFA tax stamp. Well, people following these laws, Shane Cox and Jeremy Kettler, following the new Kansas law, were indicted on federal, uh, on federal charges violating the National Firearms Act. Possession of unregistered firearm, transferring of a firearm in violation of the National Firearms Act, five counts, making a firearm in violation of the National Firearms Act, engaging in business dealer manufacturer and manufacturer of firearms conspiracy, and making false statements. They were indicted on these because of the National Firearms Act, even though they never left the state of Kansas. And what this means is, uh, in this case, uh, this article that, that we wrote uh, was posted on November 12, twenty sixteen. It is. It has already been appealed by this point. Verdicts have already come down. It is on its way to the Supreme Court, and I have no doubt that the, that if what the um what the L.A. Times article is saying is true, I have no doubt that the uh, that this case will be brought before the Supreme Court. Now, why does that give us concern? Why are we concerned because we have uh we have a majority on the Supreme Court, correct well, I've already shown and outlined how Scalia thought and a lot of people seem to believe that he was on our side uh and he was in a lot of rulings but there there are other things that that need to be addressed because there are things that um like from Judge Brett Kavanaugh, now Justice Kavanaugh, that make us believe that he is going to side uh, very similarly to the way Scalia sided in Heller. And um, this is another Heller ruling. This is after the after the original 2008 ruling. This decision came in 2011 where. Uh, where the d c had changed some of their laws, and now they were being uh looked over by the d c Court of appeals and this, as you can see here, is from Brett Kavanaugh. He wrote this, and he cites Heller a lot now what he says is uh a, a, well quite a quite a quite a bit, but The court held that the Second Amendment confers, again, there's that word, an individual right to keep and bear arms. Uh, And uh, I am losing what I wanted to highlight here. Okay. In Heller, the court ruled that the District of Columbia's ban on the possession of handguns violated the Second Amendment. In the wake of Heller, they enacted a new gun law. Uh, It bans the possession of most semi-automatic rifles. In this case... um, Here we go. Sorry about that in Heller the Supreme Court ruled that handguns the vast majority of which today are semi-automatic are constitutionally protected because they have not traditionally been banned and are in common use by law abiding citizens. There is no meaningful or persuasive constitutional distinction between uh, semi-automatic handguns and semi-automatic rifles. Uh semi-automatic rifles like semi-automatic handguns have not traditionally been banned and are in common use by law-abiding citizens for self-defense in the home hunting and other lawful uses this right here is a very damaging statement because it says uh are in common use by law-abiding citizens for lawful purposes then that means since suppressors are not necessarily in common use, like, uh, say, AR platforms are in general, then something like this could come down and uphold this Kettler and Cox um, case that I just brought up. If, if they were to take that and say suppressors are not commonly used so it's okay to ban them and it's okay that it's not actually that it's actually intrastate uh we're going to go ahead and strike that law down that means this is one of the laws that we are trying to get passed here in texas as well because right now it's not the law and if that were to come down from the supreme court we would not have an ability to enact such a law um uh, yeah, and and Damien also points out here, uh, every firearm type has been at one time used in war, and don't forget that there is a case granted by cert cert uh, case granted by the Supreme Court involving bu- bureaucratic rulemaking, and bureaucratic rulemaking is exactly what got us the bump stock ban uh, that recently came down last month. Um, so this is very very telling for us. Uh, the words of Brett Kavanaugh in this decision here uh, gives us pause because he could dissent or uphold it with conditions. And it's not a clean cut, this is good, this is bad. The The Supreme Court always will rule in, in ways like this. And if they do, then that sets a precedent for the entire rest of the United States. And it could be uh, dreadful for... Uh, gun rights across the entire country Um, another thing that I want to point out about Brett Kavanaugh uh, is is not a a second amendment issue but it's a fourth amendment one uh, but it's one that I think is equally as important this is another case here um, talking about the government collection of metadata without a warrant and uh, Kavanaugh wrote this one as well while he was circuit judge. And it says here, even if the bulk collection of telephony metadata constitutes a search, the Fourth Amendment does not bar all searches and seizures. It bars only unreasonable searches and seizures, and the government's metadata collection for uh, program readily qualifies as reasonable under the Supreme Court's case law. What? Since when? Um, Because the Fourth Amendment says that even if you have a reason, you need a warrant. But he is citing here Supreme Court case law that says it uh, doesn't matter as long as the government has a reason, uh, then it's OK. And I'm curious as to if he would apply that sort of standard. To any Second Amendment case, and it's not just um, just Kavanaugh that I'm worried about. There, are, the other Republican justices are equally as squishy. Um, I don't. There was one case that Gorsuch ruled on regarding um, searching, uh, and it had to do with a handgun. Whenever he was uh, before he was a Supreme Court justice, so there's a lot to to that we don't really know. There's a lot that uh gives us pause and we don't have a guaranteed constitutional or natural right abiding supreme court and if they come down and they uh they rule against us then there is no recourse unless we amend the constitution or another similar case gets brought up and then later overturned but i highly doubt that those justices are going anywhere anytime Soon, uh, before I sign off, guys, I wanted just to remind you that um, if you j- enjoyed the show, uh, I-, I hope that you, um, I hope that you sign up for LSGR Live. It's only six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year, and you will get to watch the live stream uh, every Sunday at noon, and you will be able to comment with me just like you did today. Uh, thank you so much for being here, and until next Sunday, Lone Star Gunners. Arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo. Star Gun Talk is a Lone Star Gun Rights production. Hosted by Derek Wills. Copyright Lone Star Gun Rights 2019.